you kick down walls and anyone who tells you you can't you take your fears your insecurities your worries you roll them all up into a ball you turn those son bitches sideways and stick them straight up that candy out pick your goal and stick fucking to it you wishy-washy motherfuckers i can't fucking stand you I wanted to make sure that out of the 24 hours of the day, that I don't waste one single hour. Those hours were too precious. And so there I just want to tell people, don't give me this thing, I have a difficult time, I need the time, and I don't have time for this, and I don't have that. You have time. You make the time. And now, welcome to the Be Informed Live Fit Podcast, sponsored by fitnessinformant.com. And he kill it while you sitting down, bitch, about how I triple my fan base Networks, bitch, can't say there's worse, bitch All right, everybody, welcome to episode 25 of the PS4 RivFit Podcast I am your host, FI founder and CEO, Ryan Buckeye Thank you all for downloading, streaming, however you're getting this podcast Checking out the episode today featuring Matt Jansen The man who is the trainer to big country Dallas McCarver And we talk about that on today's episode, we talk about Camp Jansen, the online uh, basically training module that Matt Jansen has now implemented into his system. We talk about everything, and it's a, a very cool conversation. This is the first time that I've ever spoken to Matt. I'm familiar with Matt's background. He's younger than I am. Last year, he took five people to the Olympia. This year, he's trying to take six as a head trainer. Um, you know, we talk about everything and anything. So we talk about Dallas McCarver's passing. We talk about steroid use. We talk about training mechanisms within this world, and, and we look at progressive overload and periodization and different things that he has learned and adapted and adopted over the years and, and how he actually approaches his clients today, especially the clients that are going to go on to Vegas and compete in the Mr. Olympia competition. So Matt was a phenomenal guest, and if you're tuning in because of Matt, we will get over to Matt here in just a little bit. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the Be Informed Live Fit podcast sponsored by Raise Energy. I am, like I mentioned in the opening here, the owner and CEO of fitnessinformant.com, and this is a weekly podcast that we've just been kicking ass doing this, featuring guests like Ronnie Coleman, Branch Warren, Jay Cutler, Ashley Horner, Robert Frank 615, Matt Jansen, uh, and so many more people, including WWE superstar Ari Davari, and now, you know, obviously I just mentioned Matt Jansen on this podcast. So if you like what you hear today, make sure you go ahead, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, or however you're getting this podcast, and leave us a review if you can. It helps out the algorithm to move us up in the rankings in terms of fitness-based podcasts to get more people listening to this wonderful podcast, getting the education and, and the insight from professionals like Matt and more. Make sure you're following us on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. And again, our official website is fitnessinformant.com. We've got a lot to talk about here this week. Before we get to Matt, and the first thing that we got to talk about is this week's Pumped Up segment of the week being brought to you by Build Fast Formulas award-winning Vaso Blitz Pump Igniter. Not only is Vaso Blitz the winner of our 2018 Shield of Excellence Supplement Award for the best pump product, it is also the first nitrate formula fully dosed with 30 servings, not scoops. That's right, 30 servings. When VasoBlitz is consumed daily, even on your off days, it will last you a full month. All this for only $34.99. And as a special offer to, offer to this listening audience, use promo code INFORMANT and save 15%. They also have their new stim-based pre-workout full blitz out, which includes the entire VasoBlitz uh, portfolio or the entire VasoBlitz ingredient deck 
in Full Blitz, along with Caffeine, Yohimbin, and some others. All right, so what am I pumped up about this week? FI is uh, continuing to grow, and we're continuing to provide educational content for those who are seeking it within the fitness space and the nutrition space. Two years ago, when we started fitnessinformer.com, we actually had the intentions of being like the one-stop shop for all things fitness and nutrition, offering free content. We're never going to charge for this stuff. It should be free. It should be accessible by everybody listening to this podcast. It should be accessible for people that even don't listen to this podcast. Like we want to help people make better decisions, live better versions of their life through better decisions, that being, through, through informed decisions when it comes to their health and nutrition and their fitness. So we are bringing back something that we started with, that we went away from, but now we're bringing it back. We now are populating a brand new uh, healthy recipes section over at fitnessinformant.com. It's extremely important that we've had people all the time, I'll be posting my meal prep. I'll be posting, you know, something that I created for supper or, or, or dinner or however you want to call it, or breakfast. You know, or maybe I make a, a sweet tooth treat that's actually high, that's high in protein. These are types of recipes that we're going to start populating over at FI because people are looking for healthy solutions and healthy alternatives to the dessert aisle and healthy alternatives to breakfast. Or maybe they're getting tired of just straight scrambled eggs and toast. So we are going to start populating some healthy versions of recipes that can make things interesting and make food great again, right, uh, is what we're going to try to do. Here's the thing. When you make healthy versions of X, sometimes that healthy version doesn't taste as good. Now, we get that. If you're stripping out a bunch of the fats and the sugars that make something taste good, it's probably not going to taste as well. But our goal is to create create items in this recipe section that – that still taste good, that, uh, that are obviously healthy, first and foremost, for you, for me, for everybody that's consuming these items, because that is the most important thing. So if you go over to fitnessinformant.com now, you'll see that the recipe section is live. You'll see that there's only a couple of recipes populated, but we are working on populating more and more of those recipes so that way you can go there and get ideas for lunch, get ideas for snacks, you know, whatever it might be. Now, we know the national championship uh, and basketball is something that people love to watch or, or Super Bowl. Like those are types of things we're going to have. We're even going to focus on beverages and even alcoholic beverages. So if there is a healthier version, if it's even possible, of an alcoholic beverage, maybe it's an amino-driven alcoholic beverage, we're going to have those recipes over at FI as well. Our Genius Moment of the Week is being brought to you by the Genius Brand. The Genius Brand offers high-quality supplements with scientifically proven, clinically dosed, all-natural ingredients. With a blatant disregard for profit margins, the Genius Brand focuses on creating innovative, industry-leading wellness supplements to help you live an active, healthy, and long-lasting life. Supplement smarter today. Check out all reviews and news of the Genius Brand over at fitnessinformant.com. My Genius Moment of the Week goes back to the energy drink game. Now, we've been talking about the energy drink game here uh, the last several weeks, actually, on the podcast. One is, yes, Raise Energy is the official energy drink of fitnessinformer.com. And this is something that Raise and Rep Sports has never done. And it's not that I'm trying to take a direct shot at Bang, okay? I'm not trying to take a direct shot at VPX with what I'm about to say. But let me back up. I don't have a personal issue with Bang or VPX or anybody that works there. Let me say that, okay? I think that if you want to make money making a product, by all means, make money. It's commerce. Make a business. It's capitalism. It's America. It's what we do. You can make uh, product, you can make sales, you can make money, and you can make a hell of a living. Jacko Walk, president and CEO of VPX Bang, has made a, a, a fuck ton of money on Bang. And it's very impressive in what they've done. So I have nothing against the drink. What I have, what I take offense to is, is some of the things that he says and some of the things that the company then embraces and leverages as a marketing avenue to sell more of their 
Basically, it's a diet soda to more people. Listen, energy drinks, people are fine, all right? Fine in moderation. Just like anything, they are fine in moderation. Raise Energy is the official energy drink of FI. Why would I do that? Because they're fine in moderation, and Raise Energy drinks are fucking awesome. So if I'm going to have one Raise drink a day, that's fine. But the times that you're going to have three, four, five of these drinks per day, that's when it becomes unhealthy. So what Jack has done is uh, last week they went ahead and partnered with the International Society of Sports Nutrition, and they did a study. They did a study on, um, on, on basically reaction time. So they had exercise-trained individuals, male and female, consume either a placebo or bang, and they tested their reaction time, their sustained reaction time to something. And the study results indicated that the group that consumed bang had better reaction time, had quicker reaction time than the, than the group that didn't. And they call this motor vigilance scores, all right, psychomotor vigilance testing, psycho, psychomotor vigilance scores, saying that the, the bang consumption group had better psychomotor vigilance scores than the placebo group. Now, that is a breaking news study per Jack Owar, per bang. It's not fucking breaking news. Listen, things like beta alanine, caffeine, those types of ingredients have been shown to improve reaction time, meaning that you are quicker to react to something. There are multiple studies. If you Google, if you go to Google right now and type in reaction time plus caffeine, you will find plenty of scholarly articles that outlay basically sleep-deprived individuals that consume caffeine, and there's an improvement in the reaction time. Now, imagine if you're not sleep-deprived and you take caffeine, you're still going to experience an increased react, an improved reaction time. So what Bang is doing is saying, this is a breaking news. This is really fucking cool that Bang actually improves your psychomotor vigilance scores. Okay, it's not false. No, it's not. But you know what else improves your psychomotor vigilance scores? Coffee, caffeine pills. Jesus Christ. Anything with caffeine in it of a substantial amount is going to improve your psychomotor vigilance scores. So what VPX is going to do, what Bang is going to do, is they're going to leverage this study and say, we can improve consumption of Bang. A consumption of a can of Bang or consumption of Bang in general will lead to improved psychomotor vigilance scores and they're probably not going to even explain what the fuck that is, but they're just going to say that. So the consumer gets that information. They say, wow, a 16-ounce can of Bang can improve my psychomotor vigilance scores. It must be good for me. So let's have two, three, four, five, six of these motherfuckers a day. That's where I get, that's where I get upset. You can tell I'm getting hot because when marketing becomes skewed, to lead a consumer to believe that something is actually good for you, that can actually benefit you in terms of bettering your life, your quality of life, that's when things get shady with me. An energy drink can help make you awake. It can help you be more alert. So if you're droggy, brain fog, et cetera, it can help with things like that. But when you start touting out studies and information to make the consumer believe that that item that you're selling is actually good to consume daily and multiple times a day, that is when I'm going to have an issue. Your can of Bang has 300 milligrams of caffeine in it. The Mayo Clinic just came out with something in Caffeine Awareness Month back in March saying that you shouldn't exceed 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. Now, how many people abide by that? Probably not very many. I mean, I've taken pre-workouts with 400 milligrams of caffeine in it. Then I try not to take shit the rest of the day. But the caffeine addiction by our society is absolutely out of hand. And it doesn't help when companies like Bang pay for a study that proves a point which has been proven multiple times over before in, in other studies, but now they can attach it to their can of bang to sell to a consumer to use as a marketing chip into pushing more canned soda to people? That is where I have an issue. So the genius moment of the week is be smart people. 
when these companies come out and say it has been clinically validated or has been clinically studied to do X or clinically proven to do X, look at that study. Don't just take their word for it because Bang has been clinically proven to improve psychomotor vigilance scores. Yes, that's true, but what is psychomotor vigilance scores? It's reaction time. Why is the reaction time improved? Because there's 300 milligrams of caffeine per can. Understand what that link is, and that way you have to tell yourself, it's probably not a good idea for me to have two of these a day. That's 600 milligrams of, ca- 600 milligrams of caffeine and hydros, the, the purest form of caffeine on the planet. So just keep that in mind because that is really, really the genius moment of the week is just making sure you understand the substance behind the study so that way you can make an informed decision and not fall for the propaganda and marketing bullshit. All right. My God, I get fired up with this stuff. See, this is why I love doing this. This is my passion. If I didn't have this platform, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably scream in the mirror at myself, but it's good. Hey, I can sit here and talk all day. There's a lot of stuff that happened in the sports nutrition world over the last week. I mean, there is a lot. Uh, we, we can talk about Ghost partnership with Sonic Drive-In for Cherry Limeade. That's huge. We can talk about Nutribio leaking out bourbon banana nut bread, their new flavor of whey protein isolate coming sometime here in April. We can talk about the bulk re- reformulation over at Black Market Labs. You know, we can talk about Beast Sports and we can talk about their new Super Test Maximum, their collaboration with the Gorilla Chemist. A lot of this stuff we could talk about, but I'm just going to instead instruct you to either look at the ticker here below if you're watching on YouTube or go over to fitnessinformant.com and click the news tab to stay up to date with all things in news. There's a ton going on in sports nutrition. So the two things we covered here in the opening, the new recipe section is live over at FI and be smart and be informed about the decisions that you make based on clinical studies because that word is tossed around quite a bit. Read papers, journal papers, and and try to find out more. Uh, The ingredient section over at FI is growing rapidly every single day. Make sure that you're using that as you're researching your next purchase. If we don't currently have the review, turn that some bitch over. Look at that label and figure out whether or not what's in there is uh, is appropriate or not for your money. Matt Jansen and I discussed steroids. Dallas McCarver training, breaking into the business and his big break. That is all coming up. That is coming up with Matt Jansen right now. The BAR Breakfast at the Ready is finally here. The world's first protein bar made with real cereal pieces from some of your favorite cereals and the best cereals of all time. This bar has 20 grams of protein, only 20 grams of carbohydrates with five of them coming from sugar and four grams of fat, 190 delicious calories that you can fit in at any time. Any person can take this bar, man, woman, child, Whether you're working out, you're training to build muscle, or you just need a healthy snack throughout the day, the BAR is your solution. Go to redcon1.com and order the BAR breakfast at the ready right now. (laughs) With the amount of hard work that I put in, I need a reputable brand. I absolutely love this stuff. The energy is amazing. The pumps are ridiculous. The flavor is absolutely delicious. I was blown away by the amount of energy, the muscle pump. It keeps me going throughout the day. Take your workouts to the next level. The energy was so crazy for me. Really gives me the boost I'm needing in the morning. You will train harder, you will see better pumps, you will go longer in the gym. The quality of the ingredients makes a difference. Try Rise, you're gonna love it, I guarantee it. Their products are top of the range and I'm very proud to be a part of Team Rice. For the last two decades, we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry. We've kept our heads down and worked. We pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools. 
two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit. But when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself, eventually you realize that you were born and bred for this. The things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, it just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. I've spent most of my life chasing what's termed as unattainable. An obstacle in my path, I torment it. Any limitation trying to control my environment, I tame it. Any excuses I transform into commitments. The haters, they're too small for me to even see. For 28 months before Cage Muscle even released, I broke myself against the will to identify, track, test, and trial the ultimate resources available in human existence to bring you something the world has never seen. Change is upon us. Don't justify your complacency. Evolve with me. Part animal, part machine. I'm Chris Gethin, and I am Cage Muscle. All right, guys and girls, welcome back inside the Be Informed Live Fit podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, I say this a lot when I have guests on, Matt, but like you take up the entire fucking screen of my Skype because I look at some of your pictures back 2013 and you are a totally different animal in 2019. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited to talk to you today, excited to dive into your history in terms of training the athletes that you train, which is absolutely unbelievable. But first off, thank you for coming on. Secondly, congratulations on the upcoming challenge in August. That's very cool. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I always look forward to doing these podcasts, so I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. And there's a lot of people who have a lot of questions for you on our platform. We obviously focus a lot on sports, nutrition, and fitness, and, and that's a huge part of what you do. Obviously, you make a living doing it uh, on your website and on Instagram. I want to plug your Instagram right away because I think people should follow you instantly. It's at Matt Jansen 8. You uh, have a ton of awesome stuff on there. And then obviously it's camp-jansen.com is the website where you have videos, trainers, like anything people want. But all right, man, let's dive into mini Matt. As a kid, what age did you fall in love with fitness and training and how did it happen? Um, I, uh, I think I've kind of always been attracted to uh, how, how you gain muscle. I, I, you know, I grew up watching Rocky movies with my dad. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say I think that's probably like the initial interaction of just – seeing how Rocky kind of transformed his physique through the movies that I was, I, I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, and then my mom always tells a story about, I was the kid that, you know, when we went to the grocery store or whatever, she would find me at a young age looking at flex magazines. Um, so that's, it's just kind of always been a part of, of who I am. Uh, my dad, uh, had a York barbell set of equipment in our, in our basement. Um, and he was training on and off based off of where he was with work. 
Uh, but he was training on and off, and I really started to find interest in it and pick it up on an actual training level in seventh grade. Wow. Um, and, then, and then it just kind of took off from there. You know, that's uh, that was my initial start. Um, one of my best friends, and he's still one of my best friends today, he, I would say he was well above um, his, his years in terms of training mm-hmm. uh, in middle school. Like, he was probably, like, in middle school, he was he was very advanced. Um, so he was somebody that I kind of grabbed onto, and, and we trained as much as we could during middle school. Um, he was actually doing the Titan Method, which is uh, a Leo Costa program, um, which for those of you guys that don't know, Scott Stevenson kind of adapted that program and turned it into what it is now in sure. terms of his own training. Um, so that was a, a program. That was basically how I started off training, was with this advanced training program that I had no business doing. Um, I didn't have the muscle to even begin to com- be able to complete the exercises right, but that's that that was my start, um, and then it just kind of has has grown from there. Did you play sports in high school? I did. You know, so that was another thing too. I uh, I was a big soccer player. Uh, my goal was actually to play collegiate soccer, which I did. Um, so I I don't want to say I wasn't a part time bodybuilder because. I trained as much as I could, but like, yet my focus was on being as fast as I could on the field. So, you know, it kind of, they were, they were pulling me in two different directions there right. for a while. It's interesting. Cause like I've had buddies that played soccer too and semi-pro and you don't see a jacked soccer player. You see ripped soccer players with explosive yeah. energy. Um, I mean, when did you have to essentially make the decision then to move away from soccer and then focus more on bodybuilding or was it kind of forced upon you? Well, it was, uh, it was kind of forced. I, um, I went to North Georgia uh, College and State University to play soccer. Um, I played my freshman year there during the, our spring season, which was like our training season. Uh, I ended up getting three concussions in six weeks. Mm. And then at that point, um, I went for a brain scan, and, and I still had some, um, uh, some bruising on my brain. And then the doctor just kind of advised me. He said, you know, with, with how prone you are now to basically like – little impacts and even heading the ball was causing pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point I just, I kind of, I gave it up. I hate saying give it up, but you know, I just, I moved on from soccer at that point. Um, but during that, that season, while I was still on the team to complete the hours that I needed for soccer, I was in the gym a ton. Um, and I was going to school for exercise science, okay. Uh, okay. but it was still more of a, uh, a sports focused type emphasis, emphasis for me. My original goal, I wanted to be a, a strength coach at the collegiate level or pro level. Um, so that's that's where it was at. But I, I started to, due to how competitive I am, um, once I stopped playing soccer, that's when I jumped into bodybuilding, bodybuilding training and, and trying to become the best bodybuilder that I could be. Um, it was at the age of 19 that I started to really kind of dig into that. It's super interesting you bring up soccer and, and not to go off topic here, but everybody thinks football is like the concussion prone sport. Soccer is like the number one sport for concussions that I read yeah. recently yeah. with everything going on. Do you remember how you sustained them? Well, yeah, the, the first one, it was actually, it was just during a, like a small sided scrimmage within our team and we were playing on like two by two goals. So extremely small goals. And I just took off, like I was on a breakaway and I just went right into the post. Um, and then it just, and then like, it seemed like after that, it was just like, my head was a magnet to, to get hit. Right. So, yeah, you suffer one, then it's easier for you to sustain multiple ones after the fact. It's kind of crazy. Uh, 19 years of age, the training methodology back then to what it is now completely different for you, I would assume, uh, a 180. where did you seek most of your information and, and your mentorship from? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I actually, 
I've been asked before if I could go back and change one thing about, you know, where I was at. Um, it would have been to stick to the the training that I started with. So basically, uh, I mentioned that the, the, the Titan method for a reason because it's very sound training. And then when I started to, to really learn and dig into things in college, I was I was learning about periodization and, and progressive overload and, and those things that are very important training off of percentages. Um, and for some reason, within my small-minded brain at the time, I thought that that wasn't applicable to bodybuilding when it very much is. Um, so I kind of abandoned that and, and said that's you know more sports-specific. Um, and I, and I went to the more flex magazine style of you know four sets of fifteen on twelve different exercises and yeah. beating yourself into the ground and you know and, and that's how I trained for years. Um, so it wasn't really until I got back to training how I knew originally that I really started to make progress. So I would say in terms of mentors, um, directly, Neil Hill was a huge mentor on me. Um, non-directly, um, Dorian Yates and, and his style of training, um, Dante Trudell, what he's basically brought to, I would say that Dorian style of, of adding rest pause and uh, more low volume, you know, banging weights as hard as you can type training. Um, so if you guys hear somebody crying, that's just my son in the He's background. Here. But uh, um, so you know those those I would say. But basically, I kind of recommitted myself to basically my educational background at the end of 2014, and that's when my physique really started to take off. Um, so I, I pulled my volume way back. I really started to focus on uh, more logging my weights to, to, to keep track of where I was, sure. training the true failure working on my rep execution and, uh, you know, trying to get the most out of each individual set. And that's when my, my body really started to transform. Do you believe there's such thing as overcomplicating the simplicity of weightlifting? hundred percent. So I see quite a bit. I mean, a lot of people ask really unbelievable questions at time, and I'm sure you get them all the time or somebody was taught to believe one thing and you, you totally changed their perspective based on your education. I look at some really reputable trainers in this space and everybody has a different philosophy. Like you look at BPAC, he is very, like he has his certain way. Then you look at somebody like Branch Warren, who I've talked to several times. He's like, lift heavy shit. Uh, yeah. When did you find your comfort zone in terms of your training methodology? Like, you, you, like your standard go-to. Obviously, you're going to customize per your, per your client, but right. what you're comfortable with, how'd you find that level? Um, you know, honestly, it's like when I got back down to the basics of um, – you know, I think it, it comes down to two things. I, I think it comes down to execution of, of the movement that you're doing and the effort that you place within that movement pattern. Um, and if, if I had to boil training down to two things, that's that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, for me specifically, I can't get away with lackluster, um, you know, form. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really tried to hone in on my form and actually utilizing whatever muscle I'm training as best as I can. Uh, and then just really trying to, and, and there's so much value in learning how to properly take a set to failure, um, that I, that I think some people that even though they say they're trained to failure, they're not even close yet. Sure. Uh, you know, so that's, that's really, I guess where my passion within training is, is teaching people how to really train to failure, get the most out of a given set without compromising their form. Um, you know, and that's, that's what I think is really the difference maker in terms of taking your physique to the next level. Did you try multiple different training? I mean, multiple different training philosophies throughout your years to try to find like your perfect sweet spot, or did you kind of know early on what you thought was your perfect? No, sweet spot? I, I basically I think I've done everything. Um, you know, I've I've trained. You know, early on I did like FST style training. I've done German volume training. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I trained with Neil and the way that Neil trains. But I would say that 
in terms of a, a big name coach, you know, back in the, the early or, or mid 2000s, um, I would say that he is the most sound in terms of actually following a system that I, that I know of, um, you know, based off of, you know, scientific principles and things like that. You mentioned Dorian Yates before, and I'm good friends with Chris Gethin, too, who Dorian Yates is a, a huge mentor of his. He's had yeah. an impact on a lot of people, whether it be directly in, in Chris's case or indirectly in yours. What is it about Dorian that attracted you to him and, and the way he trained and his physique and, and all else? Well, I think if you look at it on paper, I think you have a guy um, who truly thought about everything that he did. You know, he didn't take things at face value. Um, and he also, in my opinion, was he was he genetically gifted? Yes. Um, was he as genetically gifted as some of the guys that he competed against? I don't think so. But yet he found ways to beat them, you know, and, and, and that's what I say. I have people ask me all the time about training frequency and and how many how many days a week they should hit a body part and volume. And, and I'm like, in my opinion, I think we should look at what Dorian did, um, replicate that as best as you can. When that stops working, then look into add in other variables. Sure. Um, you know, but as Dorian, as an Olympian, he basically did the same thing for seven years and he conti it continued to, to improve his physique, you know? So, so if that worked for him, why are we to say it's not going to work for us? Right. You know? And you mentioned another word there, you're describing genetics. Genetics is always a conversation that competitors bring up, whether they're like, oh, that guy's got genetics, I don't. Um, trainers bring it up quite a bit too. When your back's against the wall and you know you have a client that doesn't have the best genetics in the world, how differently do you approach their training philosophy versus someone who might have really good genetics? Again, I think it comes down to effort. You know, I mean, um, you really have to, like for, for, for myself, like I don't think that, well, I want to say something, just backtrack for a second. When somebody asks me about their genetic capability, um, my answer to them is give yourself five to 10 years of being 100% dedicated, and then let's talk about your genetics. Mm -hmm. um, because if you look at somebody like myself, um, the, the more I progress, the, the better it looks like my genetics are getting. Now, is that the case? No, I've had the same genetics the whole time. Sure. It's just that I've, you know, I've committed to the process of getting better and it's like, even as I progress, my shape improves and things like that. Like, you know, whether in 2013, my shape was horrible. Well, was it really horrible or had I not just done enough to make it better yet? You know, um, so when it comes to uh, working with somebody, I basically view it as I view myself. The, the less, quote unquote, genetic capabilities you have, the more you really have to be 100 percent dedicated to all the variables that make good bodybuilders, good bodybuilders. So in, a, in terms of a competitor from a winning competitor versus a, somebody who takes second place, would, how much emphasis do you actually place on genetics versus want to or desire? Well, the, the guy with the genetic that, that is superior genetically that wants it more, I think, is always going to win. Sure. Um, but I would say that often – I mean, I know that I've beat several guys that are, that are more genetically superior to me. But I would say that I just wanted it more, um, you know, and, and there was guys that I've been, you know, around that in, in 2014 would have destroyed my physique. And now I'm beating those people, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just again, it just really comes down to the, the genetic guy that wants it the most is, is going to be supreme. Yeah. Um, you know, but but outside of that, there's a lot of leeway to actually make that, you know, make make the jump in progress that they might not might not make. Sure. One thing, too, that's very apparent in this sport is you can have your physically strong athletes who look great, can lift a ton of weight, 
but mentally strong is another aspect of the industry, right? For you, and you've trained many special competitors, but coming in second place and, and, or third place or when they thought they had the best package and ultimately the, the panel of judges below them decide that that day it wasn't their day. How have you dealt with the mental side of being a trainer? Because I think you become their best friend. Like you're the guy that pushes them to do it. And when they, quote unquote, fail in their eyes, even though the rest of us yeah. don't think they do, how do you address that and work with that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I think a lot of my role oftentimes outside of the X's and O's is really saving these guys from themselves, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, because I, you basically within bodybuilding, you, you deal with two different types of athletes. You deal with the guys that grew up being athletes mm -hmm. and, and that's what led them to bodybuilding. And then you also deal with the guys that never were an athlete and that's why they're bodybuilding because they're either trying to compensate for something or they picked it up because they never had anything else, you know? Um, and I will say those guys that never, you can tell when you're coaching somebody that the person that was, that grew up an athlete that has that killer instinct. Um, it's just very apparent versus the one that goes into a show lacking confidence or questioning themselves, you know, so it, it's very based off the individual, you know, but I mean, disappointment is something that we experience every year. Like, I mean, even last year, um, I was disappointed with how Nathan finished. You know, mm -hmm. I thought he brought a better physique than what he was rewarded. Um, you know, so that, that was hard. Uh, we worked really hard all year to, to bring something special to the show. We thought we bought something special and finishing in the same place that he finished a year before with a better physique was something hard to swallow. Sure. You know, but it's like, that's bodybuilding. You either, you either realize that and get over it really quick, or you're just gonna, you're gonna beat yourself up and you're gonna learn to hate the sport, you know? So it's, I think the guys that can get over disappointment quickly and see in the bigger picture that, yeah, they still have room to improve. Those are the guys that continue to, to, to make progress. You have your opponents of the sport, right? We, we call it a sport. At least I do. Bodybuilding is a sport because yeah. the effort that you have to put in to get show ready. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But then you have on the flip side people who think it's, quote, unquote, a beauty pageant. We could say that. We've heard names in this industry call it that before because at the end of the day, it's a panel of judges with a subjective point of view. And in some cases, there's politics involved. How, how do you view bodybuilding as a sport? Is it a, a true sport? Is it a sport with pageantry? Like, how would you describe it to someone who's never seen it before? To somebody who's never seen it before, I don't know if I would quantify it as a sport because it's, um, it's hard to explain it in that way for people that know what true sports are all about, right. you know? Now, for me on the inside, you know, as an insider, I would say that it is a sport, but it's it's because I'm a part of it. Sure. Um, you know, but I, I, I think that there's definitely a subjective side to it. And, and that's true sports. There's not a subjective side to true sports. It's mm -hmm. it's very objective. It's black and white. It's a scoreboard. Um, you know, so in, in that realm, it is hard. But what I what I say to people all the time is from a from a demand perspective, I think this is one of the hardest things you can do, mm -hmm. you know, like. In any other sport, no matter how hard that practice was, or, or, or mostly any other sport, how, how hard the practice was or how hard the game was, as soon as that's over, you can mentally check out, you can go eat whatever you want, you can replenish your body, and, and that that's huge. You know, In bodybuilding, you're still expected to put the, the demand upon your body, continue to keep your effort up throughout a prep. And yet you go home and you eat exactly what you need to eat to get in better condition, you know, and it, that that is very, very demanding, um, you know, so I, I would say 
if I had to put it in black and white, I wouldn't quantify it as a sport, but I very much agree with you that, you know, from the inside, it, it is a sport. You mentioned too another thing like athletes in football can go home and they can eat whatever they want, but bodybuilders, if they're serious about the sport, don't have that luxury. For you as a trainer, obviously you have the book and coursework to learn different principles when it comes to, to training, weight training. But then on the other side of that, you have this massive index of like nutrition and have to learn that. For you, what was more difficult and what do you enjoy more? Um, that's a I I enjoy um, seeing people progress, and I think both variables it's it's a hundred percent of each. You know, um, when it comes down to the the nitty gritty of it, I I love being in the gym training people. Mm -hmm. um, but yet at the same time, the training alone doesn't make a physique. Uh, you know, so it, it's it's I have just as much equal excitement. I would say when I get updates from guys, especially whether in an off season phase where they're making a lot of progress or during a prep where they're making a lot of progress, because I, I know that it's like, it's all those pieces come together and that's what makes something special at the end. Um, you know, but I would say if, if I had to pick one thing, being in the gym, pushing each other, training hard, you know, that's what drew me to this initially. And, and that's where I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that we were drawn to this because we loved it and we had fun, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes it becomes work and, and it doesn't become fun anymore. And we got to pull ourselves back to just having fun. Yeah, you make a good point with that. And just as training principles change or update or new, new philosophies come out, nutrition and food products change every single day. When you're working with a client or maybe somebody brand new and you're trying to explain to them proper nutrition, is there a, a, a North Star that you point them in the direction with all the ever-changing landscape of the food industry at this point? just to keep things nutritionally sound, you know, I think, um, you know, when people ask me if I'm a carb guy or a keto guy, like I'm, I'm not any of those things because I, I think a plan is more evolving than that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would say in a nutshell, I try to utilize as many nutrient sources as I can to get them in the shape that they need to be in based off of that goal. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that's, um, you know, obviously for prep, it's, it's different, but, um, to keep things around whole food choices is, is always going to be my go-to. Weekly meeting, making a swap or listen. What is it, a sample? Air Max Day is about to be lit. Dropping some new dope flavors. Ricky! It's a little drumstick. Woo! So the ghost vegan pancake batter. How'd you get 10K? <laughs> production as we speak. We've been hyped about this for months and the time is finally here. So let's go check it out. In here. 
Galaxy Burst. This flavor has a burst of candy with a hint of tart, leaving your taste buds begging for more. It's fruity and creamy, yet sweet and tangy. After months of testing and formulations, this Galactic flavor is sure to take over the galaxy. Now let's give it a try. So good. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, time to go. Social media has changed the way that we approach this business, this world, uh, dramatically. You have everybody's an expert on social media, right? They they know how to to properly execute movement and resistance and and whatnot. And then there's trainers who will discount their services, and they I mean there's there's massive things going on in the world of social media. For you, you obviously have a dot com that's very successful. You have a social media platform with ninety thousand followers on Instagram. How have you embraced social media for the positive side of the, of the business? I'm extremely thankful for it, you know, because it's given me a platform that I might have not have ever had, um, you know, back in the day, you know, like I know basically there's a point in time where if you didn't go out to Venice, California, you, you might have not have made it as a coach, you know, so in that realm, amongst all the negativity that surrounds social media, I'm very thankful for it because uh, it's given me a way to live my life and follow my dreams and, and be able to take care of my family that I might not have done, you know, and, and I, I will always say that because at one time it wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I, 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 I do enjoy social media. I think it, um, there's negatives and positives to anything you, you can bring out the negative and anything that you want to bring it out of. But for me, like, I don't know if you know this or not, or, or the listeners, but I actually, I got my account hacked, um, in 2017. Okay. Um, so I lost my following. So I had 65,000 followers and, and lost it overnight basically. Um, and at that point, like rather than looking at it as a negative, I just said, I'm going to kind of like rebrand myself now um, and, and have more of a purpose in everything that I post when, it, when it's in regards to myself or my athletes. And, you know, whether some people want to knock it, but I just wanted to be that guy that was known for, um, you know, hard work and, and, and being consistent. And that and that's what I market and brand, um, you know, so in that realm, again, like take take what you're passionate about and and make that transparent on social media and i think you're going to be successful if you're if you're in it for the right reasons yeah and then the negative side of that we both kind of mentioned it's like obviously like i mentioned before everybody's an expert is one but then there's the cyberbullying aspect too where people can post anything and speak their mind and, and this is america it's freedom of speech but sometimes i mean do you even spend a, t a second looking at those negative comments on your platform i i try not to you know obviously I, i'm aware of them um you know, and I also, for, for those that might be listening, I have a very hard time. I don't have a hard time blocking somebody that's faceless on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, as a man, though, I have a hard time blocking another man because of what he's saying to me. I just, I, I don't want to give him the satisfaction of doing that. Sure. Um, you know, but it, it is a very, like, it does bother me because the people that say the things that they say about me don't know me at all. Right. And it's very apparent because of what they're saying. Sure. Um, you know, so in that sense, because I, I am passionate and am I perfect? Absolutely not. Um, you know, do I try to do the best that I can with everybody? Yeah, I do. And, and because of that, like it does, it is hurtful because I'm, I'm human, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, the more I've been able to block those things out, um, you know, it, it has helped me. I don't follow people that talk negatively about me. I don't block them, but I don't follow them. I don't, sure. I don't see their posts, things like that. So yeah, and what's interesting is I spoke with Jay Cutler a couple of weeks ago about sort of 
where the sport's at today as it was back when he was battling Ronnie at the center stage in Vegas, right? And at that point, he said his, their version of social media was DVDs, like a DVD highlight reels, and that's how they got hype to the Olympia, and the Olympia had hype. And I, I mentioned to him, the last time I felt that the Olympia really had hype was when it was uh, Phil Heath and Kai Greens last year in 2014, I believe it was. Yeah. Since then, but last year, I guess there was some hype because Phil was going for eight. Uh, but he says that the athletes aren't actually leveraging social media enough to sell themselves because back in the day, they had DVDs and magazines. You're training these athletes. You're training these guys leading up to Vegas. Is this a conversation you ever have with them in terms of leveraging social media to boost their value in the eyes of the consumer? Yeah. You know, that. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but – Nathan lived with me last year, and that was actually something that he, I think, is very good at. He um, he gets knocked because he he likes to trash talk and he comes across as arrogant. But he's he's building a persona. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the New York Pro last year, I mean, there was a lot of banner back and forth, and there was a lot of hype going into that show for those guys because they engaged on social media and they were talking back and forth to each other and they were you know making bold statements. And I thought it was great. Um, you know, and I would love, it's like, it's like now it's like everybody kind of wants to hide out and not say anything and not hurt anybody's feelings. But I think the sport obviously needs more of that, you know? Um, I mean, look at Conor McGregor, you Mm -hmm. know, like what Conor's done an incredible job with branding himself and being this guy that talks smack, but he backs it up. Um, you know, and and even when he doesn't back it up, like it still seems like he comes out on top. Um, so I think that's something I agree. I think it's something that's missing. I think it's something that we need more of, uh, you know, and for guys just to, in their own way, whether it's through posting a crazy set and saying nobody else can do this or, you know, I'm coming to the show. You guys better watch it. Whatever that is. I think I for sure think we need more of it. It's interesting, too, because he mentioned a lot of guys are, you know, training abroad now, whether it being Kuwait or or other countries that aren't here in the States, which is fine. But you don't hear or see from these guys for months sometimes. So when they show up at the Arnold or at the Olympia, you're kind of surprised by it. And there was no drama there. Branch actually told me too, that he actually thinks the classic physique guys are more interesting than, than the heavyweight division at this point, because they are being more interactive and outgoing on social. But on the flip side of that, there are people who look at that classic division and say, it's actually hurting the sport. So I want your opinion on, do you like the classic division being part of the Olympia or no? I, I do like the classic division being part of the Olympia. Um, I don't think it's hurting the sport. I just think that some people are looking for a fast route, even though they have no direction going that route sure. or, or, or no, like no business going that route. Um, just because you're a small bodybuilder doesn't mean that you're classic. It means you need to take more time to become a real bodybuilder, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but, but I love the classic division. I'm, I'm friends with Chris Bumstead. Yep. Uh, in my opinion, he is classic physique. Um, he fits that class to a T, um, you know, and, and I think it, it has brought uh, a whole new class or division, you know, on, on every level that I think is, is a positive thing. Um, I don't think it's impacting the guys in the open. The open still it r- remains king in terms of prize money. Um, but I, I don't think in any way it's, harm, it's, it's hurting anything. The, the open division's physiques have changed over the years, right? You look at the classic Arnold pose versus – some, and, and we can talk about that all day, every day. People debate that all the time. Do you feel that the audience then looks at what the, the open division kind of has become? I mean, the, the, the visual that we see, then they look at classic and they just resonate more with the classic division because they feel like aesthetically they look maybe better in terms of like a human being versus a monster. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's something that you can relate more to for sure. 
Um, even though when you really comes down to it, like it, it doesn't matter how hard I try, I could never look like Chris. Right. You know, I'm, it, it's almost like it, some of those guys, um, their their structure, their limb lengths, the the way their bodies put together, it's almost like it's even more of an impossible look than the open guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that people don't really have a true understanding of of what it takes or or how those guys. I mean, that's Chris looks the way that he looks because of his parents, a hundred percent. Um, you know, and, and Phil looks the way that he looks because of his parents, but yet at the same time, it's also like he can build upon that, you know, no matter, no matter what you do, you're not getting Chris's hips to, to waist ratio. You're just not, you know, like, uh, I mean, hip to, to lat weight ratio. So, um, I think it is a, it's a more attainable look, but realistically, uh, you know, when it comes to those top guys, it's not really any more attainable. When did you get your big break? When did Matt Jansen's name get put on the map? Uh, I, I would like to give Justin Compton credit for that. Um, he believed in me, and he we started off as as training partners, um, and then I was you know somebody that was training with him every day, and you know he trusted more and more in, in my decision making process and my thought process, and not only that, not only directly through Justin, but but Justin brought me Dallas. Um, you know, so that, that was definitely my big break and, and Dallas trusting in me to bring him to the Olympia. Um, that was both, it was my first Olympia as a coach, his first Olympia as an athlete. Um, and that was for sure my big break in the industry. It's interesting because you mentioned earlier, your son in the background, obviously you named him Dallas, uh, after Dallas McCarver. And it's been almost two years at this point now, uh, that year I was at the Olympia that year it was a a different year because obviously we lost Dallas and we lost Rich Piana, who, who's done a lot for the the sport out in California and and through the supplement line, kind of a somber feeling, but the Dallas thing was very interesting because he was so young and he had so much potential and everybody was talking about like, he's the next big thing in the sport and you were attached to him. Like what made him different than some of the other athletes that you've trained? Um, just the, the sheer size that he had at, at, at the age that he had was incredible. Um, the, the freak strength levels that he had, uh, you know, I still don't think, I don't think that we've seen some of the things that he was doing still, um, since he's passed away. Um, you know, and, and he just, he loved it. You know, he absolutely loved it. Um, and, and he was, again, he was an athlete that turned into a bodybuilder. It wasn't for trying to compensate or anything like that. Um, you know, and he just, I mean, honestly, even that last week that we were together right before he passed away, it was, we had a great time together and, uh, you know, he was all business focused on the Arnold for the following year. Um, you know, and, the, and it was truly his life. It was what he, you know, it was what he lived for. Do you think, how do you think he would have done that year in the Olympia? Well, okay, so the the year he passed away in August, mm-hmm. he was purposely sitting that Olympia out. That's right. Yep. Um, and then he was going into the Arnold uh, as of last year, which would have been against Bonac. Um, I don't know. I believe in him 100. percent I think he would have won the Arnold last year. Yeah, I mean, because well, how old he was 20. So he's two years younger than me. So he he'll be 20. He'd been 28 this uh, April. That is yeah. absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, obviously, prior to his passing, he had the episode, I believe it was, was it in Australia, where he passed out just yeah. from like lack of hydration and some other things that went on, too. And whenever this happens, everybody thinks they know exactly what's going on, right? Um, that's where social media has a negative side of things. And you obviously right. were close to him. And listen, people who know anything about sportive bodybuilding, stuff happens. It's not, it, it is what it is. But um, for that and having to deal with the backlash of his passing, how were you able to cope with not only the passing, but like some of the comments that the world was making assumptions of based on what happened? 
you know, it, it was, I mean, it's still to this day is hard for me um, because I cared so deeply about him. So it wasn't like I was just trying to deal with the, um, you know, the, the media side of it. it. It's just like I had a, you know, not only did I just lose my best friend, but you're having these, these personal attacks or claims being made. Um, you know, so it was, it was very difficult, you know, and again, it's just like, it had to come down to the fact that those people making those claims didn't know me or Dallas personally. Um, they didn't know the inner workings of our, our relationship. And at the end of the day, it's, it's him and I that know what happened, what went on. And, and that's what I have to bank on, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what I have to believe at the end of the day. Yeah. And obviously that year, like we mentioned, Rich Piano passing away that year too. So a lot of negative connotation came back to the sport of bodybuilding. And in, and people within the sport, okay, like for in terms of drug use, right? Like it's not uncommon by any means, but there are people who shy away from talking about it, which at some point you don't have to. Like you don't have to talk about it. If it's not going to do your career any good, then don't talk about it. But then you see some people who maybe they see the spotlight kind of fading away and then they start to talk about it. Right. Why is it that, in your opinion, like why is it that people shy away from talking about it? And then is it – do people talk about it just because they want to regain the spotlight? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a, I agree with you. I think, I think overall, because for one, it's, it's, it's an illegal thing here in the U S you mm -hmm. know? So as an athlete, you have to protect your identity in that way. Sure. Um, if that wasn't the case, I think it would be much more widely talked about. Right. Um, you know, but I, it's even, even myself lately, like I've been more, um, convicted i would say for for lack of better word to to be more open mm -hmm. uh because i feel like if if the guys that are most knowledgeable in the industry are remaining hush on the topic then then the the the, the right things are never going to be said sure um you know and, and that's something i i've had this conversation with a few people over the past month um like i feel like it, in a way without without naming dosages or, or things like that like it's my responsibility to, to speak on these things mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, but, but yet you're right. Like, I think that there's a, there's a crowd that does it just for attention. Um, and, and I don't think that that's right either, but the problem is, is because the people that have the right information aren't speaking out, the people that are doing it for attention are, are getting more hype and publicity and, and then the wrong information is being spread even worse, right. you know? So it, it, we do have a responsibility and I think it can be done in a way that's proper, um, and, and respectable and not like kind of dirty, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I've always spoke on this too, because like I've openly admitted on this podcast, I'm on TRT. So technically I'm on steroids It, it saved my life. It changed my life. I feel completely different, but even those in the world of bodybuilding who are, who are up in the upper echelons of bodybuilding that are using drugs or steroids, like they have a medical staff, like they have people who know what they're doing. They're getting blood work done versus somebody on the black market, buying a vial from some other guy they've never met. And they're not taking the proper protocols to protect themselves. But we have to keep one thing in mind. Like, it's not just bodybuilding where this stuff happens. Like, it's the UFC. Exactly. It's professional football. But it always comes back to bodybuilding because these guys are on stage in nothing but trunks. And they look massive. And, it's, it's, it, and we always turn to you, right? We've always turned to you like, why don't you talk about it? Or why don't you explain what happened in this situation? Do you think there's going to be a time ever in society where it'll be okay to talk about it? Um, you know, I don't know because it, it comes down to the government and taxes and, you know, so many different right. things. Um, so I, it's hard for me to say, I think that there's going to be a time where, 
we we either need to or we get off the pot, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, even even me, like I felt like we missed a huge opportunity at the Olympia this th- that year that Dallas passed away and Rich passed away to say something. Sure, um, didn't have to be long winded, didn't have to go into detail, but I I think that. You know, even one of the things that was discussed was that, like, the Olympia, the 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 guys that make it to the Olympia get, like, a health care, um, you know, within the IFBB, which uh, there's a lot to that. But I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I believe that um, the NHL is a is a system where they, they have health care, they drug test their guys. You know, if something like that was put into to act, I, I think it would only help us. Um, you know, because you have two guys, you have the, you have the really responsible guys. And then there's also the guys, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's the guys at the top that don't want to know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and they aren't responsible out of fear and, and that's not good either. But yet if, if you're held to an accountability check through the organization that you're with, um, it's only going to help us all out, mm-hmm. you know? Right. What is the, uh, in your opinion, who is the greatest Olympian of all time? In my opinion, uh, Ronnie, for sure, is the greatest man that ever stepped on stage. Have you had a chance to have a conversation with him? Yes, I have. Yeah. What'd you, like, what did you want to know from Ronnie? Like, what was the one burning question that like, you couldn't wait to talk to Ronnie about? Well, in terms of burning questions, I would love to ask him, um, you know, like, um, how he was it, was it easy for him or, or was what he was doing like really a challenge, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's. Obviously, it was a challenge, but like to what extent? He made it look uh, easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, you know. So I would love to know, like, you know, how hard his preps were. Um, you know, how much he had to suffer uh, relative to you know to the to the suffering that I see with guys now. You know, because in my opinion, I think he was one of the most conditioned guys, especially from the back we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so what did that take? You know, what type of sacrifice? Because when you see things, even like, even like his cardio, like the cardio that you see of him on his videos, um, if I did cardio at that rate, I would, I would never get in shape, yeah, right. you know, but at the same time I was, I wasn't, you know, squatting a hundred pounds during prep either. So, um, you know, I would love to just know, like talk shop with him about things like that. Um, and I, I haven't, I've been more just, it's more like, Hey, I appreciate what you've done for the sport type conversation. Um, it wasn't anything like where I was sitting down with him long term. Sure. Um, you know, but I hope one day that I get to do that. It's interesting because he is like you. I think he's also the greatest bodybuilder of all time, in my opinion, as well. But now he's obviously paying the price for all the hard yeah. work and the 800 pound squats. He's had multiple back surgeries and but he still goes to these expos because he loves the fans and he loves the people. When you're training your individual clients and you think long term health of them, like what is that? What is that mindset? How does that conversation work between you and the clients when you speak long term health versus short term gains? Um, I, I think for the people at the top, the guys that are chasing the top level, you got to go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, you only have one shot. You know, and 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 I say that within still being responsible, but like I, I don't know. Um, Michaela Acock is a, is a great example. She is somebody that, um, I've worked with since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, she's willing to do whatever it takes to make it to the top. And, and that, and, and, and I say that in a responsible realm, like she will squat as much weight as she can squat every time that she goes into the gym. She never backs off, um, because that's how much that she wants to make it, you know? And, and I, and I think that though, you know, for, for the guys, the guys that I'm working with that are in the Olympia, you, you gotta just you got to redline it to know what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and, and, I, and I love that saying because it's like, in, unless you, you do that, you don't know what you're truly capable of. Right. That's a good point. And you mentioned the, the Olympia. We just came off the Arnold, uh, which was a, a really fun show to be part of. Olympia is more about the actual, the open championship versus the Arnold. There's strong man. There's a ton of different things there. So all eyes are on the prize in the Olympia. How many athletes do you have in the 2019 Olympia that you're going to be planning on taking to Vegas? Okay, so so right now on paper, I only have one. Sure. Um, and that's Sean Clarita. He's the only person that's qualified. Um, my goal for this year, I set two goals for myself as a coach. I wanted to return everybody that I had last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last year I had Ian, Charles, Nathan, um, Sean, sure. and then Michaela. So I had five, five last yeah. year. And then my other goal is that I wanted to bring somebody to the Olympia this year that's never qualified before. Okay. Um, you know, so I'm hopeful to have six to seven this year uh, in Vegas in September. I mean, did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that you'd have maybe six, seven people on stage in Vegas in September at the, the granddaddy of them all? You know, I believe that I could do it. Um, I am 100% blessed that it's happened as fast as it's happened. Right. You know, I, I and, and I have to, like I said, that's why, you know, Justin was a, a, a very instrumental uh, player in my, in my development, in my career, Dallas was huge, you know, like, so, so in 2015, um, I just had Dallas Mm -hmm. and then the next year I had six athletes there. Um, you know, but again, it was because of Dallas, you know, that, 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 that happened. Um, you know, so, um, I just, you know, I wake up every day. I'm excited to do my job. Um, I expect a lot out of myself. I'm very hard on myself. Um, you know, and, and everything like right now, I mean, it's where everybody's full fledged into prep and we're working towards that, you know, that Olympia stage. That's awesome. I mean, you guys obviously have plenty of shows between now and the Olympia to get qualified, to get, get your athletes where you want to go. Uh, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast probably aren't chasing the dream of the Olympia. Maybe some are, but you also offer like, uh, let's just call it like average Joe services via the com, right? It's a, it's a yeah. digital, it's a digital platform. You guys can spend a monthly fee, which I believe is $10 a month. Or you can do a yearly fee, which is 80 bucks a month, $79 a year, sorry, $79 a year. Like what can they expect? What type of content, what type of education are they going to get from matt-jansen.com? So I just started a new coaching section, which I'm trying to be as in-depth as possible, given the X's and O's of what I'm doing with my top guys. So basically, as they enter prep, uh, I'm laying out the preps and and why I'm making the decisions that I'm making, when I'm making those decisions, what thought processes go into that. Um, So that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give the type of information that I, as an 18, 19 year old wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that section of it. I have a very in-depth training section where, uh, you know, I'm going body part by body part, going through workouts. And, and, and like I said, within those workouts, it's more so I want to, I want you guys to grasp, um, you know, find a nugget of information and just hold on to it. You know, I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but if you can learn how to, you know, proper execution or, better effort in the gym by, by what I'm doing. That's what it's all about. Um, I have a Q&A section where you guys have direct access to me to, to ask questions. Um, and then also just logging. You know, I, I did a very, uh, a very long series during my USA prep last year. Um, so that there's a lot of, there's so much information and on a weekly basis. It's like, if you go back now, there's, there's tons of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I just want it to be a, a site where you guys can go to for trusted information um, learn something and then, and be excited to go back. Yeah. Cause you have articles, you have video content, which obviously given our attention spans as humans is fantastic. So they can watch that. The Q and a, I think is one of the coolest things. Um, anything on like nutrition advice within that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all part of it within the prep as well. Now I don't have like 
set diet plans and stuff mm. like that. But but what I'm hoping is that you know by by people being on the site, they're going to learn about the you know the, the foundational importance of, of nutrition and and learn how to piece together a plan based off of what we're doing on there. And is it geared or targeted towards a typical demographic, male, female, age range, or is it kind of like for everybody? It, it's for anybody that's interested in, in, in pushing their physique to a new level that they haven't gotten, you know, and, and that's why um, one of the reasons I Michaela's on there for many reasons, mm-hmm. but you know, that, that it gives that girl voice, right. Um, which I felt was important. Um, you know, because I think, you know, if I look at my demographics on Instagram, it's like 87% male, 13% female, you know? So like, I would say that the site is probably somewhere around that same range, sure. which I mean, it- it's, I wouldn't say, I guess there is quite a bit of females that are involved in the sport, which is really refreshing and really cool. Um, yeah. So let me, let me, let's end the podcast on that question because I've had like Ashley Horner on here before who's never made the Olympia stage, but she was a big in the competitive nature. I've spoken with Jamie Eason, who's a model within the space, right? Are women getting the credibility or the credit now within this sport that, I mean, are you happy with the amount of credit that they're getting or do they more? I mean, it's interesting because the men always make the most money. They're, they're the highlights. They're the, they're the main event of the show. But women obviously have a place. I mean, Michaela looks amazing, and she, I mean, she's close friends with you. So I'd love to hear yeah. your feedback on that. Yeah. Uh, to be short, no, I, I think that they need more credit. Um, you know, I think just little things with them would go a long way. Like, um, for example, the, the women's physique girls don't get a table at the, at the Arnold meet and greet. Hmm. Um, you know, like things like that. Like, I think that they should, they, they, they've earned the right as professional athletes to have that. Um, I like women's physique doesn't get on the main stage at the Olympia. Um, and, and knowing just how hard Michaela works, I mean, she, she deserves to be up there with everybody else, you know? Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, so from a financial aspect, I, I understand that the, the men bring in the most ticket sales. Um, so I definitely understand that they get the most money. But I think that there's other ways that we can make women feel special. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And like I said, just giving them a table and, and, and putting them on the main stage, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take anything away from, from what we're doing now currently. You know, and, and I think it would only bring more it would bring more to the sport as a whole to, to kind of put those things on the main stage more often. Yeah. Well, it's refreshing to hear you say that. I mean, I totally agree. I, I, I didn't realize that they didn't have a table. So that shocks me, especially, yeah. you know, that it's 2019 and, and all this discussion about, you know, women in corporate America and in sports. So uh, maybe, maybe somebody within the committee will, will, listen and do something differently about that because they definitely deserve that and the main stage too like walking on stage at the expo that's cool like great but i mean the yeah, main stage is where they want to be it's not the same yeah. you know there's, there's so much distraction there the lights aren't the same it's just not the same yeah 100 percent, dude well i appreciate this the time uh make sure you guys and girls follow him it's at matt jansen eight on instagram it's camp jansen.com that's where the all access is it's like i said 10 bucks a month or you can get a discount of i think it's 33 off and do the yearly three up front uh, and I want to wish you good luck in terms of getting all those athletes back and kicking ass in, Olymp- in Vegas. We'll be there. So I'll be rooting for you Thank and you. the athletes. Uh, Thank you. Love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, everybody. That was Matt Jansen. He is a training expert, a fucking guru when it comes to bodybuilding, both male and female. Had a lot of cool things and a lot of interesting things to say on the topics of, obviously, training, on the topics of steroids, on the topics uh, of women in bodybuilding, which I which I appreciated his answer. Uh, the thing that I really am going to take away from this podcast is that platform that Matt 
mentioned that they had an opportunity a couple years ago to speak on the topic of steroid use within the sport, and they didn't do it. Uh, at some point, I think someone's going to have to take responsibility and uh, uh, speak on the topic. Now, we haven't had an accident happen in, in quite some time, and hopefully we don't have another one happen. But at the end of the day, like, let's not be oblivious to the obvious, right? This is a sport in which drug use is common. But it's no different than football. It's no different than baseball. It's no different than basketball. Drug use is common in all major sports, but bodybuilding just gets the eye. And that's fine. So if we have to be the ones to set precedent of, of drug use and talk about it, we need to do that. But we need to do it in a responsible manner because obviously Matt mentions on this show that in America, steroid use or drug use is illegal. So coming out and speaking about it is, uh, unless it's prescribed, in my case, from a doctor, coming out and speaking on it is a very difficult, scary thing to do. But I think at some point, as, as taboo as people see this is, um, you know, there are benefits to using steroids, people. Now, in my case, a, a massive benefits. But if you're abusing them, it can lead to some tragic things that have happened to people over the years. So just being educated on this stuff, I think, is super, super important. And Matt touched on that. And, and Matt's just a, a wonderful person. Him and I have had some follow-up conversations since this podcast. And it's really cool to be able to stay connected with somebody so well-respected like Matt. And uh, I, you know, I, I hope nothing but the best for him. And I hope he's able to take six people to the Olympia this year. I'll be in Vegas. I'll be rooting for Matt. I'll be rooting for Camp Jansen and for those guys and girls to do very, very well in Las Vegas, Nevada for the 2019 Mr. Olympia. Next week, we bring in the Marky Mark Show. Mark Loblarn from MTS Nutrition. Mark Glazer from Nutribio are going to come on the podcast at the same time. Now, these two have previously met each other, but actually have really never had a conversation. So this is the first time that they're going to sit down, have a conversation. Uh, I want to do some more of this stuff, basically like an odd couple type thing. Like These two are very similar in some of their... In some, in some aspects, and they're different than others. And next week, you get an opportunity to listen to two very well-respected people within sports nutrition, two CEOs, two people who have done a ton, two people with over 20 years of experience in sports nutrition. The Marky Mark Show comes at you next week right here. Again, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, Google Podcast. Rate us if you can and review us, and then uh, make sure that helps out the algorithm so we can get some more listens here at the Be Informed Live Fit podcast. You may have noticed my shirt, the Fitness Informant, uh, the, the Be Informed Live Fit self-made shirt. There is two left as of this recording, and they are gone. They're gone forever, and we have a couple of the uh, the, the newer FI logo tees, and we have new Cyclone Cups coming in. So if you're interested in, in repping the FI brand and getting some swag, fitnessinformant.com backslash store, or there's a link right on the main page of fitnessinformant.com. Until next Next week with Marky Mark and myself, I want to thank you for tuning in, checking out the Be Informed Podcast, Be Informed Live Fit Podcast with Matt Jansen. Until next time, Be Informed Live Fit. <laughs>